This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you all doing today? Are you doing okay? It's great to see you all if you're joining us online. Uh, thanks for taking the time to join us. My message this morning is entitled, The Power of Vision. The Power of vision. Hey, it's great to be able to see, isn't it? Isn't it great to be able to see? We talk a lot in this church about developing an attitude of gratitude and uh, being uh, really thankful and grateful for God's providence on our lives that we have the things we have. If you can see today, either with the use of spectacles or otherwise, you should be grateful, shouldn't we? Should we be grateful that we are able to see so we don't bump into furniture and so we don't need guide dogs or the great work that organizations that like that do? We should have an attitude of gratitude when it comes to the fact that we are able to see. In fact, yesterday, out in the rain, I was moaning a little while. You know, you know when you moan sometimes out in the rain? I was moaning because for the, about the eighth time, I took my glasses off in the rain to clean them up. Any of you here that are spectacle wearers feel my pain? Yes, all of you that don't wear glasses, you have no idea what we're talking about. But you have to get, they get misted up and everything. And you know, it's so easy in life for us to mourn and complain about stuff, isn't it? And just this week, um, the, one of the quotes that my father used to like from Helen Keller came back to my memory. And Helen Keller said, I cried because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. And sometimes in life, we can complain and moan and groan about things, but thank God we have vision, and thank God we have sight. In fact, one of my favorite silly Welsh phrases, do you like the silly, stupid Welsh phrases that we have? When people come to Wales for the first time, when they move into our area, or when they hear our conversations, or when we travel all over the world, I've got to be honest, they think we're a little mad. Don't we? We use phrases like, whose coat is this? Jacket. Yeah, whose coat is this jacket? We use other phrases, I'll be there in a minute now. Yeah. That gets them. That really gets them. I'll be there in a minute now. But my favorite, my, well, actually, my favorite, I'll share you my second favorite. It's an old Welsh phrase about farming. Mar farmna more wile perneni the modis and in calium vim. Which translated into English means, that farm is so bad, I wouldn't buy it if someone gave it to me for nothing. <laughs> Doesn't make sense at all, does it? And one of my favorite Welsh phrases is this one. I love this. Normally, women say it, or say, you know, when saying quietly, you say, don't turn around, but look behind you. Like, how are you supposed to do that? Don't turn around, but look behind you. So, Brian, it is your quest. I want you to write a book and collect all these Welsh phrases, because we'd all buy a copy, wouldn't we? If he had all a cop- uh, if Brian wrote a book about all the mad Welsh phrases. It would be so cool if we could, though. If we could look behind us. Wouldn't that be good? Don't turn around, but look behind you. Don't, don't worry, I'm already looking, love. It'd be really cool if we could do that. In fact, that phrase, she's got eyes. I thought my mother had eyes literally in the back of her head. There were things that I could never... I thought, how did she know until I became an adult myself? 
and realize that children sometimes do the craziest things thinking they can't see you, don't you? You know, children, when they're really young, when they go like that, cover their eyes, and they think you can't see them, isn't it? And sight is a very interesting concept. And in fact, as we've been singing that song over the last couple of weeks, a great song that we've learned here at church, and it, Lord, I look to you from where my help comes from. The Bible uses this word sight and vision on a regular basis. And the thought that consumed me about it in my meditation was this. Why does the Bible speak so much about sight and vision when Christianity itself is founded on the whole principle of faith itself? Like, we are the opposite of seeing is believing. You see, the Christian faith is believing is seeing, isn't it? Hebrews teaches us, without faith it's impossible to please God, for they that, uh, for he who, without faith it's impossible to uh, see God, for they that believe in him must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, our upside-down faith, if you like, is built on this whole principle of believing is seeing. So why does the Bible talk so much about visions and seeing and sight? And littered through Scripture is all of these examples, isn't it? Littered through Scripture is examples of Moses seeing the burning bush, and it draws him in. And an angel appears in other parts of the Scriptures. And Thomas says, I won't believe until I see the nail prints in his hand. And all through Scripture, we see this convergence, if you like, of us as humanity wanting to see, whereas Jesus simply tells us, simply believe. And that's what I want to consider in our short time as we have together and as we turn to the scripture. I want to look at this principle of what does a godly vision look like? What does a powerful vision for our look, lives look like? And that's what I want to, why I want to share with you the power of vision this morning. My verse that I want to share with you is from Proverbs 29, verse 18. That's the foundation text that we're using for our scripture. Probably one of the most famous verses on vision in the Bible ever. Those of you that know it, go for it with me. Where there is no... Brilliant, fantastic, great Bible scholars here. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And I found this scripture quite interesting. I found it quite interesting that why does it say no vision as opposed to blindness? I mean, because the, the writer could write, where there is blindness, the people perish. But he communicates that concept of a lack of sight by saying no vision. Why does he say it? And that's what I want to share with you on the reflections of my heart and what I believe the Holy Spirit has uh, shared with me this morning on what a good, powerful, godly vision looks like. So you ready to go? Yes. You ready to dive in God's word this morning? Are you hungry to hear? Yes. Come on and let's pray before we open God's word together. Father God, I thank you today that so many of us here are privileged with sight. Lord, that you've given us physical sight that we can see and that we can look at the beauty of creation and we can look into one another's eyes and we can look at so many things around us in order to be able to navigate through life. But Lord, I thank you also 
for a spiritual vision that you've given us. Lord, for those of us that have made the commitment to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, believed in him and become followers of Jesus, Lord, that you give us a brand new vision, a, view, a vision that is not in the regular spectrum of light, but that you've given us a spiritual vision for how life can really be if we embrace the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So bless our time together. Open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our souls, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Because have you noticed you've got eyes in the front of your head? I'm just saying. How many of you saw the little Facebook uh, video I stuck up yesterday when a cow tried to eat my wife? How many of you saw? Did you see that? That was brilliant. She was patting the cow and stroking it on the temple of its, of its head. And those of you, I mean, go online and have a look at a picture of a, of a cow. And you'll notice that the cow has got a really big temple, a flat temple, and they love it. I'm a farmer's son. And so a cow, particularly in wet weather, will love it if you go and really scratch the, the forehead or the temple uh, of a, a cattle or heifer or whatever. So yesterday, and I, for those of you that haven't seen, go connect with me on Facebook. I'm really open about that. You know, you're, all my friends here, please connect with me and you can see it. And yesterday, as Ruth was scratching the forehead of a cow, it fancied her red coat and started munching away with it. And then I had to dive in, stop the video and save my wife, who literally thought... <laughs> She was going to be et by a cow. So just so my wife is uh, available, uh, is, is aware, you know, cows are not meat-eating animals. I think they will leave you right where you are. And they maybe would have taken a bite or two, but they would have spit you out, I'm afraid, Ruth. Um, but one of the things you notice about a cow, and I noticed this when I was younger, is a cow has got eyes on the side of his head. Have you noticed that? Those of you that have got dogs, we notice that dogs have got, an, have got eyes on the side of their head. And the reason they've got eyes on the side of their head, so if you look at me here, instead of having eyes in the front, look at me, looking into my eyes, not around the eyes, look into the eyes. Right. <laughs> when you look at, into my eyes here, your eyes are in the front of your head, giving you a very, very narrow field of vision. But cattle and sheep have got a wider field of vision because their eyes are kind of round the side of their head here. And I believe that one of the reasons, this, there's no theology by this, this is the gospel according to Phil Morgan. One of the reasons I think that's important is God has shaped us to go forward. Yeah, God has shaped us in life to be able to go forward, to be people of vision and to march forward and go forward in him, in his plans and his purposes. He doesn't want us to be a distracted about what go, what's going on from side to side. Because some of you wish you were like an owl, eyes in the front of your head, but then you could turn all the way around, didn't it? That would be really good if we could do such things. So we're going to look this morning and do some comparisons in our field of vision and our spiritual field of vision and take some learning from it. I love the scripture in Psalm 37 verse 23 that says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he will not be cast down. And you know, some people quote the front part of that verse, and that's why I believe that we are shaped and built by God to go forward. You see, people think that God's will and plan for us is perfect. It is, but we stumble and fall. And you would think in that scripture, when Psalm says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, you'd think that that would be perfect, wouldn't you? And that he wouldn't let us fall. 
But listen to what the scripture says. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delights his way. Though he fall, he will not be cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hands. And sometimes in life, with our spiritual vision, we see that failure is something that God works against us. We see that the experiences that we have of sickness, maybe, or challenges or difficulties that come our way, for some reason, quite often in our spiritual vision, or an impowerful, or an unpowerful, or a weak vision, we think that can't have been God's will for us. Well, it is, because it's through those experiences of when we fall and when challenges come our way, that's how we are built. In fact, Paul says it better than me. He says, character brings perseverance and perseverance patience so when we fall and when our vision is maybe not as it should be because we didn't see left field or we didn't see right field we have to have our anchor in Christ who gives us a great vision okay you ready to go So, there are six things that I want to share with you on one fundamental principle this morning. Six quick points that we are going to talk um, together. And I'm going to make it easy for you to remember these points because we're going to follow the acronym of VISION. V-I-S-I-O-N. So, six points I want to share with you about a godly vision. About a powerful vision. Are you ready? Have you got your pens out? Have you got your iPhone ready to be able to drop the notes in? A good vision, God's vision, a powerful vision, is built on the revelation of God himself. And before I jump into these six points, let me share with you the scriptures it's meant to be written. You see, we've talked before um, in church together, and we have certain words that are difficult to translate into English. That there is a word we talked about, hiraith and kutch, those two Welsh words, how difficult they are to translate from the Hebrew scriptures, uh, from the Welsh uh, uh, into the English. Um, But similarly, it's difficult to translate some Hebrew words. So let me share with you what the correct interpretation of where there is no vision, the people perish. And the easiest way, if you're a Bible scholar, you want to know what this means, or any time you, as a a Bible-reading Christian, because you read read your Bible every single day, don't you? You take at least 15 minutes a day to read God's word and pray, don't you? All nod with me. Yes, great. We all do this as a spiritual principle. And if you come across a verse sometimes that you don't understand, turn to the amplified version. Not the amplified version. The amplified version. (laughs) And turn to that scripture because it gives a fuller version of the scripture for us to be able to understand. This is what the Amplified Version says about Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there is no vision, no revelation of God and his word. Now, does that come and give us more context? Where there is no vision, no revelation of God and his word, the people are unrestrained. But happy and blessed is he who keeps the laws of God. You see, the six things that I'm going to share with you today are basically based on like a mirror verse that we can read in Psalms that simply tells us this. There is a way that seems right to a man. The end thereof leads to destruction. And it's kind of a reflection of that scripture. 
And you would never put these two verses together if you used the traditional translation, but this gives a fuller meaning to it. Where there is no revelation of God and his word. You see, we must have a revelation of God in our lives, and we must allow his word to find good seed, uh, his, sorry, his word, the good seed to find good soil in our lives in order that it bears fruit. If we don't, the people become unrestrained. No boundaries. Now, we don't know which way to go. We don't know how to live our lives. We have no compass, if you like, in our lives if we are unrestrained. But happy and blessed. I'll say that again. Happy and blessed is the person who keeps the law of God. So, what is the revelation of God? And his word. That's what I want to share with you for a moment, if I can. And I've picked uh, six things that I believe are very important about the kind of vision, the kind of revelation that God should give us in our lives if we follow him. Are you ready to go? V is for when we have his vision, his, write this down, values are good. God's values are good. It's good to have good values, isn't it? You know, quite often you can see companies that will write certain values on their wall. Let me give you an example of three. Trust, integrity, respect. Are those good values? Indeed. Those are the values of Worldcom. Remember them? The world's biggest bankruptcy company. You see, it's one thing to have values written on a wall. It's another thing to have them written in our heart. And the Bible challenges us to take our values and write them on our heart. Does God love people of all sex and gender, guys? I'm being real here. Does he? Yes. Except in certain areas of... North America, you can go to certain states where they, you know, they want to kill homosexuals. They want to do all this kind of thing. And I'll read the Bible. I'm thinking, where do they get that value from? Because my God loves everyone. Whoever, whoever can come to him, says John 3.16, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. God loves us yeah. unconditionally. As I said so many times before, there's nothing we can do to make him love us more. There's nothing we can do to make him love us less. God's love for us just is. And what happens is we, if we have a powerful vision, it's a godly vision. And that godly vision that we have, that God plants in our lives, we have his values. And they're easy. We read about them last week, didn't we? When we looked in the scriptures on um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about the value of love. And what love is like, it all keeps no record of wrongs and, and all of what we read about love. Galatians 5, that teaches us about love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, patience, long-suffering, faithfulness, self-control. All of these things are values that if we have a revelation of God and his word correctly, they will permeate out of our lives. That's the kind of vision we need to have in our lives, isn't it? Yeah. Secondly, values are good. V, I, integrity is present. 
Integrity is present. Now, integrity is one of those words that's difficult to explain, isn't it? Um, can somebody, I see a balloon on the floor there. Can somebody come and give me, I was going to use this with a glass this morning. Come on, Chris, bring me that balloon. Fantastic. Okay, and I need a volunteer. One of the girls, can you come and join me here? Who's come in? Come on, quick, one of you. Fantastic. Give a big round of applause. Tell everyone your name. Holly. Holly. Give Holly a round of applause. Big cheer. Can you hold the microphone for me, Holly? You see, if I put this balloon under pressure and press it and press it, what's going to happen in the end? It's going to pop. Is it? You ready to go then with this? Are you, are you, you're looking at everyone in the congregation. Look at everyone going, oh my God, should we press it and press it? If I press it, can somebody tell me, where's this going to burst if I press it and push against it? Sorry, shout out louder. Where will it break if we were to slow it down and get one of these super slow cameras at like, I don't know, a million frames per second? Where do you think this balloon is going to break? Give me that again, Gary. At its weakest point. At its point of least integrity. Agreed? And a lack of integrity is what's going to burst this balloon at its pressure point, at its place where it's weakest. I'm going to let you off, Holly. Take a round of applause, sit down. <laughs> you see, if our vision hasn't got integrity, our lives will crack where we are weakest. You see, you can be okay with certain things in life. You know, you can, you can judge people because maybe you're a person that can drink, you know, alcohol and, and can be restrained with it. Other people can't. And so there's other friends and people that I know that decide not to drink one drop of alcohol. Not because, you know, the Bible says about alcohol, you can drink. It says, you know, the Bible says, be not drunk with wine wherein there's, there's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So if you like a gin and tonic, or you like a glass, in fact, Paul encourages us, have a glass of wine, it's good for the stomach. Yes. Jesus' first miracle was to turn a water into wine. But sometimes our incorrect vision of life, sometimes there's lots of people who say, I don't drink, why don't you drink because I'm a Christian? I say, that's weird. What do you mean you don't drink because you're a Christian? You're a Christian and you can drink. You just can't drink to excess. You can't get smashed. You can't get off your face. Because the reason the Bible teaches this principle is that we lose control. Yeah. And when we lose control, we say things and we do things that crack us up and grab us at the point of our lack of integrity and mess up our lives. Real talk? Yes. Where integrity is present we will be strong so in every aspect of our lives in relationships i've talked briefly about alcohol you know your weakness you guys i'm just being real here you know that you shouldn't be surfing certain internet channels or, or whatever it is you shouldn't be going there at like gone 11 o'clock at night well don't go there then find something else to do go out for a run I'm looking at some of the waistlines in here. That would be far more profitable use of your time. You see, 
Don't allow a lack of integrity. And that's what the Bible wants us to live, isn't it? A life of integrity. So we are strong in every aspect of our lives, no weakness. So V is for the values are good. I is integrity and is present. S is for strength of character. You see, one of the things I love the most about the Christian faith is it just changes people. I've never seen anything like it in my life. I've been uh, involved in church planting and in church ministry for uh, now 25 years. And I've never seen a greater miracle like it that when people come to Jesus and they are transformed by his power in their life. I've seen people that can't have victory over certain things suddenly break chains on their lives. I've seen people with a lack of confidence suddenly become confident. I've seen people that are standing in the shadow and are so concerned about what other people think of them have a new level of boldness in Christ as they do it. In fact, I was privileged enough on Thursday uh, here to be at She. I tell you what, guys, you'd have been scared of the power that was in the room. after. There was testosterone in the room by the rest of the end of the evening, I'm telling you. Because uh, there was a lovely uh, message about, uh, you know, bricks in our wall. And the message, wasn't it powerful, girls? It really was. About, you know, things like uh, insecurity and how we feel about ourselves and our bodies and all. You know, so many different subjects that that, uh, all of us, not just women, uh, struggle with. Um, But that understanding that... Our strength in, in, is in who he says I am, not who others say I am. And you see, he gives us the strength of character to be able to stand. It's no wonder that Stephen, the first Christian martyr, could be there preaching. And they are stoning him because he's got an inner strength, an inner determination, a self-control that God has put within his life through his strength of character. So a good, powerful vision, number one, its values are good. Secondly, integrity is present. Thirdly, strength and character (coughs) is present. Third, uh, fourth, what am I? Fourth, innovation abounds. Innovation abounds. You see, innovation is just a posh word for creativity, isn't it? God has put creativity within us. And I've never seen, I've seen this more through the Christian faith than anything else when new gifts are unlocked in people. As they now have boldness and as they have courage and now as they have good character strengthened by the word of God, they begin to take things on that they never took on before. That a rather nervous piano player, where's James? James at the back. Isn't Isn't he amazing? Hey, hasn't God just done something for him? I remember the first time James started playing and he's, oh, you know, doing it in public. And we're all scared because I'll tell you what, up here in the front, you make uh, one dud note, everybody hears it, don't they? Yeah. yeah. You'd become like one of those worship failure memes that's, uh, that's uh, online at the moment. If you hit a dud note and doesn't Sam at Life Church know about that, who's become a big celebrity with that kind of donk that happened in a piano. But it takes a particular type of courage to be able to step forward and do that and release that gift. And right in this room, there's preachers here. There's teachers here. There's pastors here. Gifts that are currently being slowly watered by the Holy Spirit that one day will bloom into all God has them to be. Isn't that amazing? 
I love the creativity that comes from a powerful, godly vision. Innovation abounds. And we're coming home run. And these two really are not so much focusing on us, but focusing uh, on the world around us. Oh, a godly vision that is the revelation of God and built on his word. That revelation is, oh, others focused. Me comes last. Me comes last. Just like Jesus, we have to pick up the towel and we have to serve. Think of it. The king of the universe came to serve, to seek and to save that which was lost for me. He came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So our vision... Our vision, if it's a godly vision, is putting others first. You go first. No, 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 no. You go first. No, you. No, you. We technically shouldn't be able to get out of church this morning because we're letting everybody else go before us. (coughs) Do you get it? Others focused is selfless. You know, can I encourage you all, if you're not on one of, I think there's about 20 odd teams, I think, that make the whole of ABC uh, happen here, you know, the heating just doesn't miraculously come on. You know, new songs just don't suddenly appear. Uh, you know, breakfast and hot coffee for us and doesn't just miraculously arrive. It happens because of all of you that serve one another, that honor one another's above yourself as the word commands. And that's what I love about this church. It's a church of every putting everybody, everybody putting everybody else first. So I want to ask you, if you're new to church here and you're not on a team, come and see us after. Come, or come and see anybody that's volunteering and I'll give you a team brochure and you can uh, get involved in, in uh, an area that suits your gifting as well if you want to. Let's us all be others focused. And N, and this is a big one. In fact, this is one that God is challenging me at, moment, at the moment in, in my heart in quite a powerful way at the moment in my personal studies. N stands for no one is excluded. No one is excluded. I am, I'm going to get emotional here. I am slowly seeing, you know, as a young man, uh, a vision of the believers of God in this place slowly come to pass. And I tell you what, it's amazing to see. I remember years and years ago, at 10 years of age, I remember my father announcing to me that he had invited the neighbor next door to come to our church. I was 10 years of age. I was sat in the back of the Renault 9 TD, <laughs> navy blue diesel. It went so slow. It, was, it really was slow. And I was sat in the back. Yeah, I'm the middle child with middle child. No, I'm middle child. And so I got to sit in the middle, in the back. And I can remember, Peter sat one side, me sat the other, Peter sat one side, Michael sat the other side, and we're off to church, mum and dad in the front. And as we're traveling to church, my father announces that he's invited Paul and Lorraine Price to come to our church. They were our neighbors next door. And do you know what? It was the days before seatbelts. I can remember it as if it was yesterday, church. I jumped up from the middle seat. I grabbed the sides of the chairs, pulled myself forward, and in Dad's ear, who was driving, I said to Dad, shouted in his ear, Dad, don't bring him to our church. 
And the reason I was saying that is I was offended by our church because it didn't reflect the heart of God. People were quite religious. They would look down at people who would come into our church, maybe because they weren't dressed properly to come to church in those days. And look, I know a lot of this is cultural, okay? I'm not trying to criticize them. It was cultural at the time, shirt and tie and everything else like that. It was part of how we thought church was meant to be. Last time I checked, Jesus didn't wear a three-piece suit and a tie, a three-piece suit and a tie, did he? No, he wore sandals to church, so the only one here that's actually biblical is James this morning. <laughs> wears sandals in October. So, but we could get caught up in the sideshow of what we think is about faith, can't we? The Bible calls that religion. No one is excluded. And I dreamt, as a young man, as I got older, I didn't know the seeds that God had put in my heart. I never had aspirations to become a church leader in any way but God had put these little things in my heart that when I looked and I saw the injustice of how people are treated I tell you what it pains me it hurts me that so many people are hurt by churches you know Gandhi said Jesus is wonderful but the Christians that's what he said and so often it's the way we live our lives not honoring God and not living a true revelation of him that turns people off. In fact, I'm doing a series um, that is going to be starting in January. I'm giving you a, a heads up on it. It's called Theoruption. Theoruption. Uh, the disruption that happened when God revealed himself through Jesus to the world. Oh, and, and listen, I haven't even preached it yet and I love it because it's forced me to go back to the early church model and see what was Jesus really like. Jesus created an environment where no one was excluded. They wanted to keep the kids away from Jesus. Oh, take them away. And he says, suffer the little children to come up, to come unto me, for such is the children of heaven. And I'm glad that this is a place and this is a church where the kids are welcomed. There were people that were ill. David, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they sought to keep him quiet. They tried to shut him up because those who were unwell and sick were coming to him. Prostitutes, they would bring him to Jesus and says, she should be stoned. He says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's the Jesus that includes and all that we as a church might learn to love on everyone. Everyone, even our enemies, we are called to love. No one is excluded because we will live a life of honor and love and determination, creativity and selflessness as we include everyone. It will force us living that way. It'll force us to have a strength of character and to be determined because God loves the unlovely. And you know, to some, you are unlovely. I loved what Karis shared with me a couple of weeks back. She says, you know, you are the limit of somebody's love. Isn't that an interesting thought? I'm the limit of somebody's love. There's somebody that, when it comes to love, they have to cross a line to love me. Isn't that interesting? We all have our limits. So let's, can we as the team come up and as we close with this song, let's have a vision where we don't perish, but we become happy 
and blessed. That we're not unrestrained, church, but that we are restrained. We are restrained by the correct revelation of God and His Word working through us. His power changing me, and as it changes me, we together change the world. Is that good? Come on, let's stand to sing as we close. Caris, will you lead us uh, in this song as we sing this as an anthem, if we can, and say, God, God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Help me to live a life that honors you tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the next month and the next year so that we might live to the glory of God. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.